0: Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsey Klein.
1: Thank you for joining everyone. This is Lindsay with Cline, Honest Accurate Bookkeeping performed on Time and your host of Buy the Books. And I'm here today with Mallory Heron, who is a certified HR consultant and owner of Heron HR, which is an HR consulting firm. And you are an author of Intentional HR. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. We've been planning this one for a little while, and I threw a lot of questions at you about a topic that comes up quite often with my bookkeeping clients, which is w 2 employees or 1099 contractors, and when a contractor should actually be a W-2 employee.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a hot issue.
1: And I was told you were the expert on this topic, so I'm glad you're here to set the record straight for our listeners who may be encountering these decisions in their HR.
0: I'll do my best.
1: (laughs) So one thing, and this actually came up with Frida whenever I originally talked about this topic posing the question of what about equipment? If you have a job where there's in- equipment involved and you it's expensive equipment, right, that the contractor may not necessarily be able to afford, does it blur the lines between contractor and employee to rent the equipment to that contractor or maybe sell it to them for a measly $10 Get into the logistics of that one. <laughs> so
0: it can. You have to remember that you have to look at each individual situation when you're uh, determining, is this really an employee or is this really a contractor? Um And overall, what we're looking for is the degree of control that you have over that person. Um, And we're looking at that in three aspects. So behavioral control, financial control, and we're also going to look at the type of relationship. So typically, we can dive a little further into that. To. But typically, when it comes to a contractor, they're going to come to that job as an expert with their own equipment, and it okay. falls into that financial control category because they have to be uh, have the ability to incur profit and loss. Typically, that's going to come with they have invested in tools and equipment, uh, programs, software, whatever, right? And because they are offering their services out in the market. They might not always be able to make a profit after they have incurred the expenses for their equipment and tools and programs. Um, if you have, let's say, a particular piece of machinery or equipment that doesn't, they don't have – they could still be a contractor. Could they? Okay, depending on the other factors. Okay. Um. Not- so, as
1: if you were, because who is the 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 agency? I know the IRS could get involved here. Mm-hmm. Is there anything besides the Department of Labor yes. or who would be looking at this to say no? This is actually a W-2 employee, not a contractor.
0: So you're going to have the IRS, the Department of Labor and the individual states. Okay. And sometimes they're going to have regulations that are a little bit different than what the IRS or um, the DOL say. So you
1: could have the IRS standards and then also state standards and then potentially Department of Labor standards that could Possibly be different.
0: Right. Now, generally speaking, the DOL and the IRS are very aligned, right? So, with the um, DOL, we're talking uh, FLSA, right? Um, But I think the best example, as far as like when a state is going to be like a little more protective of, you know, that should be an employee, think of states like California, where they are really employee friendly and want to make sure that you are not skirting your obligations as an employer by misclassifying. I mean, that's the intent all around with the IRS and the DOL as well. But um, here in Texas, you know, you, you can look up on uh, the Texas Workforce Commission site and see different items regarding, you know, should it be an employee or a contractor. But you do have to make sure that you're doing your research every time you are going to engage a contractor to make sure that you are following all of the rules here for that particular individual.
1: So if somebody's looking to hire someone and they like to hire them as a contractor rather than a W-2, what are the things they need to do to make sure they're in compliance and that that actually is a contractor?
0: So you want to start with the basics, which is all of those control aspects, right? Okay. So with a contractor – You cannot create that employee-employee relationship, meaning you should not have control over when they perform the work, how they perform the work. You do want to have some kind of stake in the results, right? So, like, you know, it it should be for um, a shorter term or a well-defined term when possible. So it's, it's not always this, like, indefinitely, you'll be doing this kind of work for us, right? You want to have some sort so you of... you want to have an
1: in-date. Right. Really? When, that's interesting. So it should be basically project-based.
0: Typically. Now, in some cases, it won't always be. Think of an attorney, right? They are going to work on billable hours, and sometimes that would be an ongoing indefinite relationship where you've put them on retainer and you use them as needed. We have no idea how long that's going to last. That could be years. But as... company like and let's say you need someone to come in and set up your IT infrastructure, but you don't need to hire an employee to do that. It's a one time event. And that's it. So you want to get a contractor, you would lay out the scope of that project for them. And you would typically say, you know over a six-month time period, over a three-month time period. That can be a little fluid. You can always extend the contract if you need to. You want to make sure you're lining those terms out in that agreement. Um, But it is more of a temporary situation. So you don't want to have control over when and how and what tools and equipment they use generally. Um, You don't want to have uh, them – reporting into you all of the time either. You're not supposed to be supervising their work. Okay, That's really important. And I think that's where people miss the mark a lot of the time. You you have a stake in the result and it's completely okay to make sure that things are on track to hit that result the way you need it to be hit. But the when and the how they go about achieving that result should really be in the control of the contractor. So let's drill
1: down on that. Let's take the accounting profession, for example, because that's obviously the realm I'm in. Bookkeepers, um, CPAs, that's professional services. And this is very prevalent in my industry that owners will hire 1099 contractors to perform bookkeeping or tax work if they're telling those contractors this is the checklist I want you to use. Check off when these tasks are completed. This is the software I want you to use. Here is our workflow. Is that too much? Does it then become an employee if they have to adhere to those things?
0: Not necessarily. Okay. So when you're talking about something that requires some sort of software, right, it um, It's totally normal to expect them to use that software. You may even need to give them a little bit of training on a particular process or the software that you need them to use. Um, But again, as long as you're not basically micromanaging them every step of the way – you should be fine to classify okay. them as a contractor. Okay, so what
1: what does cross the line when you say you can't tell them how to do it? What is an example of that crossing over into being more of an employee relationship?
0: So that's going to be when you start telling them, I'm trying to think of an example that falls into like the bookkeeping realm, but that's not my forte.
1: So. <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. Use whatever example comes to mind.
0: Um. So let's say you have... Let's okay, let's talk about um salon services. okay this this comes up a lot in salons. So let's say that you have a space where you are having contractors rent out the space and then they perform their services, right? But if you're you know overseeing that salon, You're going to start creating employee relationships. If you start telling them you have to be open from this time to this time, this is the particular hairdryer that you need to use and you need to do the hairdryer for 30 minutes on this type of hair. You know, this Mm. is kind of an outrageous example, Okay, but if you start really getting into the details of how that work is performed, details can be subjective. That's when you're going to start crossing that line. Does that make sense? Yes. That might not have been the best example.
1: Okay. So, if I took that into the accounting world, if I was to tell an employee for example um you know make sure whenever you book journal entries or uh, expenses in the software that you're attaching documents, which is something I tell my employees all the time. If it was a contractor relationship and I told them that's how I want you to do that, is that stepping over into employee likely not no okay
0: um but if you are telling them um and it's hard for me because this isn't, this isn't <laughs> the realm that I work in, the, the bookkeeping stuff. So um, you
1: can still have specific processes and it's still be a contractor relationship.
0: Right. You just want to make sure that it's not on everything. And its they need to have more flexibility and autonomy and control over the way they perform the work more than you do. If you have significant control over that, um, or if it's going to be like a major, huge deal where, let's say it was an employee and they didn't follow that process. Were you, if it's that critical that you would need to discipline them for that, mm. that's probably not a process that you should have control over when it comes to a contractor. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: Yes, it does. So what are some things that you see? Because you're in the HR realm. You have a, a lot of clients that you're in their HR business. So you see where I'm sure you're consulting your clients where, hey, this may not be a contractor relationship. What is the most prevalent thing you see employers doing that you're kind of slapping their hand a little bit to say, no, no, that's an employee?
0: <laughs> um, I see a lot of there'll be a 1099 contractor to start because it'll be temp to perm. Okay. While they want to like test out the employee, okay, but then they're giving them a job description. They're having them sign off on the handbook. They are you know reporting to a supervisor within the company. No, that is an employee. Mm. I can understand that you want to kind of test the waters with someone, see how they're going to work out. But that is why you have an introductory period, right? Um, and that that is absolutely not. A contractor that is an employee Mm, um
1: if does it make a difference if you tell the contractor that they have to come into your place of business does that cross the line it
0: can okay not always it depends on the scope of the work okay um even giving someone like an email address sometimes it might cross the line sometimes it won't
1: okay so what's a situation where it's okay to give them a company email and a situation where it wouldn't be okay
0: So let's say that you are, let's use bookkeepers. Okay. So let's say with my company, I decide, you know what? I need need a contractor that's a bookkeeper to do my books for me. Once I give them a company email and then, you know, they're going to need access to things for the company, right? To be able to perform the work. Mm -hmm. But if I'm giving them a company email with a signature that's got like, you know, a counts whatever or accountant or bookkeeper in the title. Th- I'm starting to treat them more like an employee. Okay. Right? Okay. Like they don't need that. Um they should have their own email address that myself and anyone else that needs to communicate with them is using. Okay. You wanna be cautious of having them represent themselves as someone that's working directly for you, whether that's outwardly or internally with the rest of your staff. Does that make sense? Yes. So whenever it would be okay and, and this can happen a lot. Let's say that you are working with someone to, um, maybe you've brought someone on to implement a software that they're, they're a subject matter expert in that. And that's their kind of consulting work that they do. Right. And you have like your project team that they're just kind of coming in and laying out the parameters for them. And that team can ask them questions or whatever that scope of work looks like. Right. Um, you want to make sure that you're keeping data secure and information secure that needs to be. And you oftentimes will need to keep some data like within the company systems and the company emails. You don't want sensitive information going out to someone's Hotmail account right, that's not secured. right? right? right. So um, you could do it in a case like that where you can keep it within your company's uh I don't know what the word for it. I'm not a very techie person,
1: <laughs> but within, within their network,
0: right? Yes. Thank okay. you. Escape escaped my okay. mind. Okay. Um, and that would be okay, but you're not representing them as an employee through the use right. of that right. email address. If that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yes, it does.
1: Okay. So what about uniforms? Let's say you have a contractor doing something for you and you have them wearing your company logo on their shirt. Does that become problematic?
0: It easily can. Now, if it's like a safety issue, like let's say that it's like a contractor on a road crew or something, and they need to have something to identify them, maybe like a really bright vest or something of that nature. That's totally fine. Um, Other than situations like that, where there's a really good reason for it, and it's usually around safety. No, you know, they're not an employee, they don't need to adhere to your policies and your dress code. It's okay to expect someone to have a professional image, but that's something you really need to think about and determine before you bring them on as a contractor.
1: That makes sense. Okay. So basically, you don't want the presentation in any way, whether it be uniform or email presentation, that I belong to this company. It needs to be clear that I represent my own company, right? That's kind of the gist of what I'm getting.
0: Yes. Now, in a way they will be a representative of your company because they're doing some kind of work for you. Right. Um, but you just don't want it to, to to be like a, you know, Hey, rest of the team, here's our new team member. No, be very clear with them. This is a contractor. It's a temporary situation. This is what they're going to be working on. Cause you want to set up those boundaries too. Um, you don't want other people within your organization to start treating them like an employee either. Um, Because that will start getting into some hot water. And I know it's all such a gray area. There are no really hard and fast, you know, if X, Y, Z criteria is met, they are a contractor versus an employee. You have to look at each of them individually.
1: So I've looked at some case studies about this. And that's that's basically the gist I got is that they're looking at the overall picture. So it's sort of building a case from multiple areas to say, okay, you have one, two, three, four items going on here that evidences that this is actually an employee relationship, right? rather than a contractor. So um, just an overall picture, not necessarily one specific thing.
0: Yes, because n- no one thing is gonna be weighted more than another. It's all very holistic and when we're determining, you know, should this be an employee or not. I would always encourage people, if you're not sure, reach out to an attorney mm. um, or err on the side of caution, make them an employee. So there's not really a lot of consequences if it comes to, oops, I made them an employee and they, sh- they could have been a contractor. Right. But on the flip side of that, there are some big yes. consequences. If you say, well, they're a contractor when they really should have been an employee. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So let's drill down a little bit on the schedule. Cause you said you can't set schedules for contractors. Is it okay to tell them, I need you here for some meetings at this time and this time, especially if it's related to maybe a client where they need to be in on the meeting? Is that okay?
0: Yes, but you have to be aware that they still need to have the ability to work with other clients and provide their services to others. So they're not necessarily at your beck and call. Mm. Um, So if there are... There are going to be times when you need them for a specific meeting or something like that, but otherwise, you can't say you're, you know, I need you to work on my project from eight to five Monday through Friday. Like they, if they want to work on that at two a.m. in their pajamas, they get to do that. <laughs> that's okay. not that's not your call. Here and there, you need them for something specific at a specific time. Yeah, that's normal. That's okay. Um, It's when you start doing like dictating their availability all of the time, that becomes a big issue. And you have to be okay with the fact that they might not have the availability for a specific meeting Mm -hmm. or something. Um, And you've got to work around that.
1: Now, what if you dictated the number of hours? If you didn't Dictate that schedule, but you said I need you to work at least this many hours. Is that okay?
0: Eh, no, you're starting to dip your toe into not so okay. Okay, but depending on the project, which again, it's going to be so wildly different for everybody, it might be something where you know, in order to hit your go live date or have that project completed whenever you need it to be done, that. You might discuss with them when you're bringing them on as a contractor, you know, in order to get this completed on time, I think I might need you about this many hours a week. Do you have the availability and bandwidth to do that? But then you really can't hold them Mm, to it. It's all about the results, okay? right? So you want to be up front and have those conversations with them before you sign that agreement. Um, just to have a realistic picture. But they should have other stuff going on, right, with other clients most likely. Um, And it's all about that result.
1: So does it become problematic if the contractor only has one client?
0: Not necessarily because, you know, are they still able to market their services to go get other work? Okay. If you are really hogging all of their time, they're working 40 hours a week for you, Um, to the detriment of their ability to go get other clients and do other work we're going to start leaning more toward that should probably be
1: an employee employee.
0: okay not necessarily in every situation which I know is so frustrating because (laughs) people don't want to hear that people want to say tell me the criteria and you know (laughs) that I can just check off and know for sure Mm. Um, but again err on the side of caution make them an employee if you're really like if if it's seeming about 50-50 like yeah I have more control in this you know aspect and, and it's about the same as how much control they have in this other one employee so this
1: issue has come up with rideshare drivers um which i believe to this day are still contractors or did they change it i never heard the results of that but i knew this was a big court case
0: yeah and in california i think there was like what a $20 20 million dollar settlement in recent years? I think it? Okay. It,
1: so I wasn't sure whatever res- came about from that. So where do you stand on is the rideshare driver a contractor or an employee?
0: I can't remember if they ended up being, I apologize. Um <laughs> you know, 1099s or not. I think it was just at first said that no, they were employees and then it was reversed. I can't remember. It's it's been a minute and then you know, COVID happened, so yeah. it's all been COVID regulations. Um personally, I could see it going both ways. you know if a if a rideshare driver is able to you know, yeah, they use the app so they use that software, but if they are able to you know pick up work here and there whenever they want it, they can decline work if they've got that kind of ability and autonomy and they don't you know they're not necessarily having to adhere to, a handbook and all of these policies Mm -hmm. with the way in which they provide that ride, then yeah, they're a contractor. If we start saying, okay, but you need to abide by XYZ policies and you have to pick up, you know, so many rides per hour or whatever, you know, you're exercising more control there. That needs to be an employee. They need to be offered benefits. You need to start, you know, making sure you're good on the tax obligations, all that stuff. Mm. So it's, I've never been a rideshare driver, so it's hard for me to say I don't really use them. Um, I, and, and honestly, I think that whenever you can – now, I know that there's a cost savings when you have a contractor, right? And it might be something temporary. You don't need to hire someone full-time for it, right? Um, and there are a lot of cases where it makes sense. However, when you have the ability to make that person an employee, I would say go that mm. direction, and I know it's expensive to have employees. Well, let's talk about,
1: let's say you hired someone as a contractor that should have been an employee and how, what are the negative ramifications that can happen from doing that?
0: Oh gosh. Okay. So, um, taxes that will be owed, uh, going back to the beginning of that relationship, right? Um,
1: because that's essentially why people want to hire contractors right. or why companies want to hire contractors because they can save that. I think it's eight. 0.5 or whatever percent taxes, on, um, employee taxes, that they would have to pay if it was an employee. So that's essentially why people do it.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a huge incentive. Yeah. Great savings. Taxes on employees, is, it's a lot. And so
1: if you get caught, essentially... With a relationship that should have been an employee, then you're gonna have to owe all the back taxes from the beginning of the relationship. Right. Plus penalties, I would assume. Yes.
0: And on top of that, like what, okay, would they have been entitled to benefits? Right. Do you need to make them whole for that?
1: Oh, interesting. So, so you can actually owe that contractor what they could have gotten in benefits.
0: Yeah. We're, we're going to dive into the FLSA at this point, too. Okay. Like, OK, well, if they were supposed to be an employee, because a lot of the times contractors will be play like a, a flat rate for the project. Well, how many hours did they put in? Would they have been an exempt or a non-exempt employee? Mm. Should they have been paid, you know, at least minimum wage for their hours worked and Overtime, mm. so that can add up really quickly, so if let's say you get into some litigation with someone because you know they should have been an employee, yeah they're they're going to look at a lot of things like what should they have been entitled to mm. that they didn't have workers' comp that's one of those things. So were they injured performing that work and they should have been employees, should that have been covered by your uh, work comp policy?
1: So this could get very costly very. A lot more expensive than it would have been just to do it right the first time.
0: Yes. (laughs) And, And I always encourage clients to think about this. Why are you considering contractor status? Is it because you're trying to test someone out? Is it because you can't afford to have someone as an employee? Or is it truly because you need to hire an expert an XYZ thing to come in, knock this thing out for you, and then go back to whatever Mm. it is that they do, right? Because contractors are supposed to be the experts, right? Um, You're not supposed to be giving them a lot of training Mm. on how to do something. Mm. That's another area where you have behavioral control and things like that. Um, Training them on, you know, here's how you'll jump in to use whatever particular system you need them to record something in. That's a little different. But training them on like, you know, how to do how to this do job, job? That's totally different. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you got to really ask yourself those questions. Um, and how much, you know, do I feel like I want to manage them? Do I want to manage this process? Am I more concerned with the the when and the how and the where and all of that that something gets done, or am I more concerned with the end results? Hmm.
1: I, I've learned today, <laughs> and I feel better equipped to talk to my bookkeeping clients about what they may or may not should do in regards to hiring employees. So this is good.
0: Good. Clear as mud, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it all goes back to it depends, right? That's almost the answer every time. It
0: depends. Yes, that's really what it all comes back to. You and you need to take a critical look at each of these situations mm-hmm. and don't just assume that, you know, because Joe Smith down the road in the same industry is classifying people as a contractor, and it's the same industry that you that's correct. Ah, that's you, a
1: good point. So, just because everyone else in the industry does it that way doesn't mean it's correct,
0: exactly. And I've seen that with some industries. Um, for example, let's take, um, med spas where you have estheticians that give you facials and maybe you have cosmetic injectors for your Botox, which I desperately need. (laughs) Um, So a lot of the time in that industry, they will bring these folks on as contractors, Mm. but then they are supplying uniforms, supplying the actual Botox or you know supplies exactly. and then um, also saying you know scheduling them with with clients that is not a contractor. Mm. If they're renting a space and running their own business out of the space, that's different, right? Um, And maybe they're doing that under your umbrella. Um, But they're
1: buying their own supplies. Right. They're setting their own schedule. Exactly.
0: And you're not telling them how to do their Mm -hmm. job. You don't have policies they need to adhere to necessarily, right? So that's different. But if you're I mean, in that case, it should be really obvious that is an employee, right? But that is something very common in that industry not to classify them as such. So just because everybody's doing it doesn't make it right. Mm.
1: So I assume in your HR consulting firm, you will advise people on these issues if they were to have additional questions?
0: Absolutely. Okay. And sometimes I might have to refer them to an attorney if it's a little too gray even for me. Um, But again, it all comes back down to when in doubt employee.
1: Okay. And uh, is any of this addressed in your book? Tell us a little bit about your book. What's your book about?
0: So my book is about uh, strategic thinking in HR. We don't dive into contractor versus employee okay. specifically.
1: <laughs> that would be your next book, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Um,
0: but what we're talking about in my book is more about how a lot of HR professionals really do focus on just the administration portion of HR, the tactical function of HR, and a lot of business owners and executives also view HR as a more tactical function. And there are a ton of operational tactical things to be done that are critical. Payroll, right? Mm -hmm. Data entry for the payroll, things like that. People want to get paid accurately and on time. That's important. (laughs) I
1: would think so. (laughs) Yes.
0: But it really is a strategic business function for the success of an organization so it, it and you see it across the board small companies large companies where hr professionals feel like they don't have that seat at the table right to help guide that organization in, through strategic means um and i know that sounds like super vague <laughs> but we're talking about the difference in um you know, writing a an SOP for something within the HR function and doing you know an environmental scan to see what's coming. How can we win the war for talent? Um, what are some challenges that we're having to engagement and retention, and and what strategies can we implement to rectify this? It's nice. a different kind of thinking. It's a different level. So it's all about you know why that's not necessarily across the board, why HR isn't viewed as some function that does that, and they're not always given the opportunity to do Mm. that. So kind of how we got here, why it's so critical, why it's beneficial to a business, and how HR professionals can get to that level, nice, get that seat at the table and be heard. So
1: give the full name of the book and then tell people where they can find it.
0: So it is Intentional HR, A Revolution in Strategic Thinking. That is the working title. I don't think I'm gonna change it. Nice. It will be published in December. Okay. And then it will be available on Amazon, perhaps also in some bookstores that remains to be seen. Okay. So you'll have but to how wait until you find you. You have a website, email? Yes. Yeah, so my website is heronhr.com.
1: How do you spell heron?
0: H-E-R-R-I-N. And you can also find me on LinkedIn, Mallory Heron. And I mean you can email me, info at heronhr.com, and I'm happy to get back to you. I'm I'm splashed all around the. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I'm out there. Nice.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been really good. I've learned a lot, so oh, I, no I feel problem. equipped now.
0: <laughs> but w- when it comes to this particular topic, too, there's probably always going to be more questions than answers. Oh, yeah.
1: No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. But this at least helps. I think this will help a lot a Lot of business owners that are trying to navigate which route to go so thank awesome. you very much this has been great and i'm lindsay klein with Sucline. honest accurate bookkeeping performed on time you can find me at sakline.com, s-a-k-l-i-n-e.com and of course our podcast is on google apple spotify and youtube which all the links are on our website succline.com thanks for joining me everyone have a great week
0: by the books is presented by Sucline. honest accurate bookkeeping performed on time for more information on Secline services, or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit secline.com or email info at sucline.com.
1: The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Secline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in their relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.